Welcome back to the Why We Eat podcast. I'm Emily Berry, dietitian, mom, and lover of food. Each episode, we deep dive into reasons behind why we eat, plus give you tools and tips to help take that knowledge and turn it into habits that build the healthy lifestyle that you want. Now, if you're wanting more individualized support or guidance, please reach out to me on Instagram at Mama Berry Nutrition. Now, let's dive in. Welcome back to the Why We Eat podcast. I am so excited to be introducing today's guest. Becca is a registered dietitian, and we have been friends for a few years now. She works with clients, helping them to become healthy, lose weight, balance their hormones. And Becca, well, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what you do? Hi, so I'm Becca. And I am a online virtual dietitian um, and nutrition coach. I'm a personal trainer. And what I do is I work mostly with women age 30 to 50 who have struggled with eating healthy in the past, struggled with losing weight. A lot of times my clients come from restriction. And what I do is I teach them how different hormones in their body um, have adapted because of their history of restriction and dieting and how they can overcome that to eventually reach their long-term nutrition goals. Um, I work with clients one-on-one, sometimes in groups. I do seminars, but um, I've been a dietitian for like three or four years now, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I've been working in this space for uh, probably about a year at this point. But yeah, it's fun and I love it. Yeah. And and where can we find you? So my handle on TikTok and Instagram is metabolism.dietitian. And if you want to find me on Facebook, you can search for Women's Weight Loss and Metabolism Recovery. I have a Facebook group that you can join. Um, So yeah, come look for me. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. So today we are going to be talking about a trending, I'm going to call it a diet. People argue that it's not a diet. It's a way of eating. It's a lifestyle. But for the purposes of today's podcast, we're going to call it a diet. And that is fasting. So I'm sure, Becca, you have seen all of the fasting terms, intermittent fasting, OMAD, 72-hour water fast, snake juice, all of the stuff circulating the internet. Uh, absolutely. Uh, there's like a million different ways you can do fasting. So it's, you know, if somebody comes to me and they're like, oh, I want to try fasting. I'm like, well, have you even thought about like what kind, what you're doing, like how it's going to affect the other parts of your health? It's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So what is it about fasting? What do you think draws people in? I think that, especially when it comes to weight loss, um, which is what a lot of the clients I work with are looking for, people want something that has rules that they can follow. And the hard part about actually learning how to nourish your body and eat well and make helpful choices is that there aren't any strict rules, right? You know this. I know this. This is what we try to teach our clients. And so... When people are looking for a way to lose weight, a lot of times they want just quick answers. They want something easy. And I think fasting is appealing because it lets people eat whatever they want, but still lose weight by just implementing one simple rule when you can eat, right? 
And, you know, being able to eat whatever you want and still lose weight is, again, something we talk about all the time without including fasting. Um, but I think that that's kind of what's appealing about it. You can, you know, you, all you have to do is follow this one simple rule. And all it is, is you can't eat between these hours. Other than that, there are no rules, right? And so I think that that's appealing to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you there. While it's it's not my first recommendation, I can see the appeal. It's simple. It's barely mindless. You don't have to learn. You don't have to do any deep diving into your own mindset and, you know, preconceptions around food. You just follow this one rule. And for some people, it works. So why does fasting help people lose weight? Um, and, and what are some of your cautions maybe against buying into the idea that fasting is the best tool for weight loss? So yes and no, as far as whether or not it will help with weight loss. So we know that really the only way to lose weight is to be in a calorie deficit. And no, that doesn't mean you have to count calories, but normally when you're eating over a shorter time window, you're not going to eat as much, right? Makes sense. So my personal eating schedule, I wake up, eat breakfast at seven. I eat dinner at, I don't know, 6 p.m. Maybe I have a snack later at eight, right? I have like a 14-hour, 16-hour eating window. If you say that you're only going to eat between 12 and four, you're probably going to eat less in that four-hour window than I do over 14 to 16 hours, right? So less time to eat, you more than likely eat less. You're creating a calorie deficit. So that's why it can help people lose weight when that's the trick that they're using. Fun fact, they've actually done some research on using fasting for um, weight loss in low literacy populations, and they've found it effective because it's really simple to follow, right? Like just eat between these two times. So, you know, it does help with weight loss, but it's not the end all be all. You don't have to fast in order to lose weight. Whenever I talk about fasting in general, the first thing I always think to myself and probably say out loud to most people is you should be fasting for at least eight hours a night, right? Because you because should, you should be sleeping. Right. Like <laughs> the other day, somebody asked me, Hey, like I'm having a lot of trouble with like my late night snacking. Like at midnight, I just, I eat like half a gallon of ice cream every day. And I was like, well, how much are you sleeping? And he told me only four hours. Like, okay, well, your problem isn't necessarily that you're, you're eating ice cream. It's that you're not sleeping for eight hours and we need to, to make the space to do that, right? Because naturally, if you're sleeping for eight hours, you'll be fasting for eight hours and it kind of all falls out, right? So again, a lot of the reason that people see benefit when they fast for certain periods is they're not having that late night stacking because they're not allowed to eat in that time window or they cut out certain parts of their food habits that are maybe higher calorie. So again, all about creating calorie deficit. But I don't generally recommend it because it tends to create this restrictive mindset. And if you feel hungry outside of that window, it then creates guilt around eating at different times and guilt around actually honoring your hunger cues. I don't like it because if you're fasting, a lot of the times people don't eat first thing in the morning. And I know we're going to do a second episode on hormones, but first thing in the morning, you want to eat to support a natural decline in cortisol throughout the morning um, because cortisol, if it doesn't come down and stays high all day, can promote weight gain. 
um, and slow your metabolism. So, you know, you want to make sure that you're getting something in your body first thing in the morning. So it's another reason why I'm not a fan of fasting. Um, the only health benefits that I am aware of is that there is some research to show that like an eight to 12 hour fast can help with gut healing and hormone balance through your gut. But still, that's not, if you think about it, that's really not fasting because if you're sleeping for eight hours, that's just not eating an hour before and after you go to bed, which for most people, they don't do that anyway. Um, That's more about focusing on sleep, balancing your lifestyle around your routines and having that natural fasted window. Right built into your routine with i'm sure you would agree the reminder that if you happen to be hungry right before bed and it's like that true hunger feeling go ahead and eat yes yes a lot of my clients that focus on blood sugar control um it actually helps them keep their blood sugar stable to eat right before they go to bed so that's kind of interesting too yeah so you've already talked a little bit about what happens to our bodies when we fast? Is there anything you'd like to expand on that? So first thing in the morning, the major reason why I'm anti-fasting, I guess, is because of cortisol. Um, In general, if you're fasting throughout the day, the biggest things that you, biggest shifts in hormones you'll experience are uh, in insulin and glucagon, right? Because your body, if you're not eating throughout the day, has to uh, release a hormone called glucagon to make sugar available to your body, right? So, you know, fasting often doesn't support blood sugar control because you're putting a lot of stress on your body to keep your blood sugar up when you're not eating. And then all of a sudden when you're having, especially with like one meal a day, say like OMAD, for those of you who, if you're eating one massive meal, your blood sugar is going to go through the roof. So then you're putting all this stress on your body the rest of the day to keep your blood sugar up. And then all of a sudden you give it this massive spike and it has to, has to figure out what to do with all of that food. Right. So, um, I mean, it doesn't help with blood sugar control. It can lead to brain fog when you're not eating. So if you don't eat until two in the afternoon and for most of us, our work day is over by then or mostly over by then, I mean, you're, not going to be as productive in the morning. You're going to be less able to focus on one task at a time. And there's a lot of reasons that I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. And I think you brought up some excellent points, not only related to weight loss, but to health. I so often see these fad diets linked with blood sugar management. That is such a hot term right now, but it can be really dangerous for people who actually do need to tightly control their blood sugar, people with diabetes, prediabetes, and they hear these diets or eating styles such as fasting. They hear people say, oh, well, I fasted and my blood sugars are in better control when the person making that claim might not even be taking their blood sugar. So they don't know. So great story that Slightly related. You can edit this out if you want to. So I work in a hospital as well. And I had a patient last week who was admitted to the ICU with diabetic ketoacidosis after following a keto diet for a week. And the doctor had to go in and educate the patient and talk about why he couldn't be doing this. And for those of you who don't know, diabetic ketoacidosis is literally deadly. And it's when these ketones and 
keto acids build up in your blood to a point of um, just it's it's really it's really not good. You don't feel good. So I had to go in and tell this man that he needs to eat carbohydrates and that it's going to support normal blood sugar control. But yeah, it's kind of crazy how you're right. Like this, the terms thrown around with like keto helps with blood sugar, and I'm like, eh, but with people who have metabolic disorders, it really can be quite harmful for them. Right. That's sad. That is scary. Was he on insulin? Um, not at the time. Okay. And though I've had patients who are on insulin and they try fasting and then they have hypoglycemia because they take their insulin and then don't eat. So, you know, these, these different diets, you really need to be making sure that you're talking to a dietitian um, and really make sure that they're individualizing your plan, if blood sugar control or any sort of diabetes, hyperglycemia something that you're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, that's important. And this is also off topic. I, when I like last year, I had somebody that found my number on health profs. I didn't know them prior. He called me and he was like, um, Hey, you're a dietitian, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, okay. I just wanted to like check in because my wife's in the hospital with ketoacidosis. She wasn't diabetic, but she was breastfeeding. And there has been another case. Like there's actually a case study on this. This just happened. Like this one, I don't think was documented anywhere. But she was breastfeeding on the keto diet, went to the ICU with ketoacidosis, and she was like afraid of them giving her glucose because she didn't want to like get out of ketosis. And I was like on the phone. I was like, sir, tell your wife it's okay. Listen to her doctors. They know what they're doing. She will get very sick if she doesn't get glucose in her system. Like, and I, I probably told them that she can die because I mean, it's just that serious. And it's like so sad and so scary that people really get sick from these stupid diets. So I think we have pretty well covered the potential benefits of fasting because there are some, like you said, with it can be a very simple way to promote weight loss, but there are definitely a lot of risks, a lot of considerations. And with any diet or extreme type of eating pattern, recommendation is always talk to a dietitian. Next, let's talk a little bit more about what we should be doing, starting with how often should we eat? So, again, I think that a lot of, you know, how often should you eat depends on your own personal preference. If I have somebody who is struggling with diabetes, pre-diabetes, um, we definitely talk a little bit more specifically about uh, with those patients. Clients, they usually recommend they eat every three to four hours a little bit smaller portion sizes to keep their blood sugar stable. For somebody who, you know, doesn't have a history of high blood sugar, I generally recommend that they eat at least three times a day, um, but up to six if, you know, snacking in between meals is uh, something that they enjoy. But, you know, I think, again, it comes down to what's going to work with your schedule, right? I have some people I work with who are EMTs or nurses and eating every three to four hours is a little bit impractical for them. So, you know, we kind of got to talk about tips for sneaking stuff in here and there and, you know, figuring out for them. Not going to lie. When I worked in the hospital, I was guilty of drinking. a. So that makes a lot of sense. And um, you and I are very similar in our coaching styles is that it's not one size fits all. You're taking into account someone's work schedule, their 
personal needs. Some people like to eat three meals a day. Some people like to graze throughout the day. Is there a time where we should stop eating? You hear certain times thrown out, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., don't eat after these times. Is there any truth to that? So short answer, no. (laughs) Um, But I always encourage my clients to consider two things when we talk about what time they should stop eating at night. One is that what you eat is always more important than when you eat it. Don't get me wrong, meal timing and making sure you have food available to you so that you don't get super hungry at parts of the day, like that's important. So meal timing is important, but what you eat is always going to come first. So, you know, at night, most people aren't like, let me have an apple and peanut butter at 10 p.m. Most people are thinking, oh, let me go break into those cookies, right? And, you know, a lot of us use food for comfort. That's our time to wind down. But what you eat at that time is always going to be a more important decision. So if you're hungry, eat something, right? But make sure you're making smart food choices still. Second thing that I have them consider is, you know, how close you eat to bed might make you feel or sleep a certain way. So I have some clients who, if they eat a little bit closer to when they go to bed, like within the hour, two hours, like they feel really good and it helps them fall asleep. And there's some research that shows eating a high carbohydrate dinner before a bed can help them fall asleep. But then some people, they eat too close when they go to bed. It makes them feel really full. They don't fall asleep. They feel a little bit more restless. So I think that, again, what works for you, it's going to differ. But that's another thing to consider. So, you know, you might enjoy eating a little bit closer to when you go to bed. I know that I need a solid like hour for my food to digest. Otherwise, I feel really like restless and jittery in bed. I I'm with you, but a little bit different. If I eat too close to bed, I don't want to eat breakfast the next day. And Mm -hmm. if I don't eat breakfast, my whole day is thrown off. Yeah, same. (laughs) Which I think brings up uh, an important point that you, you definitely talked about, but I just wanted to make more clear is that when it comes to how often we eat, how many meals a day we eat, what times we eat, that matters a lot less than staying consistent with the choices you make. So if you're going to be a three meal a day person, then the majority of your days should stick to about three meals. And I recommend trying to keep them around the same time. It helps you stay in touch with your hunger and fullness cues. It helps make sure that you aren't going too long without food and getting you know extreme hunger to where you're rushing to make food decisions. Um, and I know this is something that a lot of people can struggle with. Do you have any tips on how to stay consistent with your eating schedule? Oh, just want to first say that, yes, I completely agree. Um, You know, we get into routines and our body learns the routines that we build. And so if like at work, say I have to eat lunch at 12 because at 12, that's when my lunch break is. And so now at 12, no matter where I am, I get hungry, right? Because my body has learned that routine. Um, So being consistent is so important. My my number one tip for staying consistent is planning ahead. And I don't even mean like I don't mean spending hours meal prepping and meal planning on a Sunday. That's not what I mean. But at least looking through your schedule for the week and thinking, okay, normally I eat lunch between 1 and 2 p.m. or 12 and 2 p.m., whatever it might be. What do I have going on at those times this week that I'm gonna have to figure out? If I have a dentist appointment at 12 o'clock. 
and I usually eat lunch at 12 o'clock, you bet your butt that I'm going to be eating uh, eating lunch at 1130 that day so that I don't you know, come out of my dentist appointment starving, right? So when I say plan ahead, I don't even necessarily mean plan out exactly what you're going to have, but look ahead at your schedule and figure out if there's going to be any roadblocks to your standard meal times that you have. Um, but also keeping food available for when things go awry is really helpful as well. So one thing that I always joke about with my clients, um, I always say that I feel lame when I say this, but backup snacks are my favorite. Um, like I, you should see my purse for work. It has like trail mix and protein bars and like the six pack of peanut butter crackers. Like it's, it's a vending machine. <laughs> but I always have food on me so that if something comes up and I am running around, you know, running errands I wasn't expecting to run, like I always have food on me just in case. So as far as being consistent with timing of your meals and snacks, keeping like easily accessible food is really, really helpful. Um, and as far as meals go, like frozen meals, I'm not above those. Like <laughs> on nights that I have four hours straight of client calls. That is a accessible food option for me that, you know, is easy and it's going to make sure that I don't end my night at 8 p.m. starving and with an entire pizza and ice cream in front of me. Right. Not that that's once in a while, but when I, the, the biggest thing I tell clients when it comes to treat foods is what your intention is behind it. If you're choosing them because you're starving and you don't have the mental capability to pick anything else, then that's, a you know, an indicator that you need to plan better for the future. If you're choosing pizza because it's pizza night, then you're fine. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, at 8 p.m., I'm not, I'm not making logical decisions. <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially after four hours of client calls, I would imagine right. you're just like, food, whatever it is, get it in my mouth. <laughs> yes. yes. But that is, those are all great points, keeping food accessible and not obsessing over the fact that, you know, you can use pre-made frozen meals as tools for those super busy nights. And what I like to tell my mom clients is treat yourself like you treat your toddlers. You don't leave the house without a toddler snack. Like we all know not to make that mistake. Treat yourself the same way. Another thing that I tell moms, specifically moms who are either working from home or stay-at-home moms, and you don't have a lot of external factors creating your routine for you, like you have to create it yourself, is set yourself some timers on your phone. Have a snack timer, have a lunch timer. That way, if you're caught up, busy doing something with the kids and that timer goes off, you know, okay, this is time to start thinking about lunch. At least check in, see how hungry I'm feeling. So often we can get super distracted and work right through lunch and not even realize it. Uh, absolutely. And there's no excuse because if you have a smartphone, you literally just look at it and say, hey, Siri, remind me every day at 1 p.m. to do this. And now Siri is going to run. She did. She heard you. <laughs> um, and just a couple other considerations specifically for moms, because I know that sometimes Feeding yourself can be hard if you are feeding an army of children um, is to make sure that you are eating with your kids or at least try to. I know that can be hard for some people at mealtimes, but trying to make your meal and your kids meal similar enough to where you can cook them at the same time 
sitting at the table with your kids, trying to at least, you know, have some bites as as you're encouraging them to eat, because that not only is going to make sure that you're being fed, but it's also modeling good food behaviors for your kids, modeling that, you know, intention to sit down, to take the time to eat your meals. And it's it's overall a good habit to start building. I'm also not above throwing a YouTube video on my phone for my kid at the table if she's just being extra so that I can finish my meal because mama's got to eat or I'm going to be very angry. Okay, Becca, I think we have talked enough about fasting. I hope that anyone listening to this has taken heed to our advice. At the end of the day, if you have questions, if you're considering fasting, please, please, please speak with a dietitian. There are dietitians that will help you through fasting if you are adamant that that's something you want to do. So just find somebody to reach out to if you do want to fast. But it's not something that I personally would do. I don't think it's something that you would do. It's definitely not something that I would recommend and not something I do with my clients. But I mean, like you said, there are dietitians who specialize in it and they will at least lead you through it safely if that's what you would like to do. So do you have any final thoughts on fasting that we haven't covered or you would like to leave the listeners with? My my number one tip on fasting is make sure you sleep eight hours a night. (laughs) If you take nothing else away, use that as your fasting time. (laughs) Right. I mean, even if you wanted to try a 12 hour fast, I mean, that that really is just about building a nighttime and a morning routine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining me today. Can you remind us all again where to find you? Uh, So on TikTok and Instagram, you can find me at metabolism.dietitian. My website is nutritionwithbecca.com. And you can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook group that you can join and it's called Women's Weight Loss and Metabolism Recovery. Thank you so much. Now let's go eat. All right. So that is the end of today's episode. Thank you again, Becca, so much for coming on and teaching us about fasting. If you loved hearing from Becca, she is actually going to be back in the next episode to talk about a big topic, metabolism and hormones. So be sure to check that out. And thank you so much for listening in today. As always, wishing you a healthy and happy week. Bye.